Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Auckland commerce teacher John Dustin's dream is for every New Zealand teenager to be financially capable before they leave school. He's written a book, Financial Capability, that can be used as a textbook or a workbook in the classroom, but it can also encourage people of all ages to think about money management. John Dustin's a teacher at St Cuthbert's College in Auckland. Prior to teaching, he worked in the commercial world for eight years as a chartered accountant, a payroll clerk, and in sales and marketing. To tell us why he is so determined to equip youth and adults with the knowledge and skills to get them started off in the right direction, in their money matters. John Dustin is with us now. Good morning. Kia Catherine. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's a privilege to be interviewed by you. You're very highly regarded. So welcome. Oh, thank you. That's a lovely welcome. It's interesting, isn't it? Because this, getting the skills and the fundamentals early can save you a heck of a lot on your debt and earn you a heck of a lot of compound interest if you get it. At the same time, you're trying to teach those skills and have them absorbed at an age and stage of life where it's hard to convince people how much it matters. <laughs> how, how do you reconcile those two uh, opposite forces? How do you sell this to the kids? Yeah, well, I guess in our day, we could almost learn from mistakes and still cope. Uh, however, it's a bit harder for youth today, the They've got um, student loans to contend with or they enter the workforce and might borrow for a car or tools. Uh, so often they start off in, in debt or in negative and then have to claw themselves out of it. So I think it's, it's vital. Um, there's not so much leeway for students entering and making mistakes. It's way better if they can get off on the right footing. So this is an opportunity for principles to be taught and students to pick it up right from the start and try and get on the right foot financially. So because I'm really keen for New Zealanders, uh, especially youth, to do better with their money. The philosophy of this is interesting. For those who are worried that this results in shoveling everyone down what once would have been, you know, accountancy or law or medicine and an income and a steady job and a house and then death, as some would say, house and a family and death. Can you apply these principles to any choices a young person makes? If they want to go low income, follow their dreams, do their artistic creativity, travel or whatever, can you still apply these skills and principles to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think there's something in there for everyone. Um, but also, I guess if you're, if you're a high school student, you don't really know what jobs are out there and also what people earn. So having a bit of that information can actually help them get motivated for certain courses or, you know, working harder at school. And 
because um, you know they can find out what they can earn. Um, so I think it's really good to present it to them at, in a school environment rather than in my day, all of a sudden we're earning money. Oh, what do I do with it? Oh, tax? What's that? Oh, my income's gone. Why have, why have I gone into another marginal tax rate? So there's so much that we can tell them now that can help them in the future. So the real nuts and bolts, but again also without, again when life feels so long and everything's so far away from them, it can also be, okay, if you're going to go perhaps low income to pursue your dreams for a while or if you're going to take on debt to, to do something for a while, at some point you might have to commit yourself to earning some funds to making that up. But it's getting them into the skill set of the trade-offs, isn't it? And where you put your value um, on what you want to do with life or what you want your life to be about you can still see what the financial consequences, pros and cons, are going to be. Do you see what I'm saying? It's it's giving yeah. them that ability to envision the trade-offs and envision what's going to be involved without saying, Absolutely. just go for the highest job, highest paying job, and forget about everything else. Yeah, I guess as a teenager, uh, they're pretty much looking maybe short-term, one week, one month ahead, or towards their next exam or assessment, and... You know, having presented to them, oh, these, this is what you can earn. Um, this is the impact of student loans. If you get a student loan, yeah. guess what? You have to pay it back. And you start have to pay it back at 12% over 20000 So what does that look like? Oh, I'm, all of a sudden my income or disposable income is, is going down. So actually it's easier to get the student loan, but then with just blocking out the future. So this forces them to look 10 years into the future and thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to have to pay that off. Is that going to is that going to impact my life in five or ten years? So, what what do they tell you? Do do they come in feeling like their generation has this almost insurmountable burden of probably student debt if they're going to get a higher education and high housing costs? Do they come in conscious of that? Do they come in curious about? Um, the sorts of things you're going to teach them? What sort of attitudes do you find? It's probably that they don't really know, to be honest, a lot about um, student debts or how hard it is to buy property. It's, um, yeah, it's a little bit early for that, but I guess the more information you present, you can actually say, oh, this is, you know, this is how much deposit you need to buy a house, and if you're earning this, how long was that going to take to save so it's, yeah, puts them, yeah, that's, I guess that's a big emphasis is trying to look five or 10 or 20 years into the future. Just this, see, it, this is just where even, the workbook comes in, right? So you'll actually go through some exercises where they can see um, the actual consequences of a decision made now down the track. Absolutely. I mean, uh, someone saying something or reading a book is fine, but actually, oh, can I do this myself? Um, how do I work out my gross earnings? So actually giving them problems in front of them and getting them to work it out, then they say, oh, okay, I get it. So they start to learn the principles and they can put it into practice. And ideally, you know, as in a classroom situation with a, a skilled teacher teaching them um, and the teachers can work their magic and have some really good learning. And hopefully with this workbook, which I'm really happy with, I'm really happy with how it's come together and the content and the width of content, 
um, I think it's a really good resource to get up and go for teachers and make a start. And because it's the first resource of its type in the country, um, I think it's going to have an influence on what financial education is going to happen in the future. It's so important because there's one thing that occurs to me, which is that often people who have a lot of money prioritise teaching their kids about managing money, about debt and about um, about compound interest, those two old basics over a lifespan of 40 years. Yep. And so some kids are getting this stuff one way or another and others aren't. And I know there are others at universities as well, um, Massey University's wonderful financial educator, who believe this is a fundamental right kids should have so that they can have as much, you know, empowering knowledge as they can over the over the choices that they make. I'm interested that you come at this through five principles because there's so much detail in many ways. What what are the five steps rather that you try and get them to think about and work through? Well, definitely earning an income is important and knowing, you know, what jobs are out there, what income can be earned and opportunities maybe for other income um, and using the skills and whatever's in their hand at, at the time to make a start. Um, then, of course, don't spend it all. Try and save some. And also set yourself up for the long term. Um, set up a KiwiSaver account. And that's also got a double benefit because you can use it to buy your first house. And actually, over 40,000 New Zealanders, young New Zealanders, have bought their house using KiwiSaver as a tool to um, get their foot in the door. Um, but then it's also um, basically delaying gratification and putting money aside to save for things rather than having to get expensive debt. For example, in a classroom situation, I teach them on the different interest rates that are out there. Oh, okay, mortgage is 4%. Should we stand in a continuum? Okay, so 4%, let's stand four paces away. Um, A student loan? Oh no, let's go to a personal loan, say 15%. Okay, 15 steps please. Okay, and then a credit card? 20%, 20%, okay, 20 steps. Okay, now that's 20% per year. What about a payday lender at 1% per day? So you can pause, see the thought process happening. Oh, how many days in the year are there? 365. Rightio, so that's 365%. Who would like to make 365 yards in that direction? But I'll end up on the football field. Exactly. So it makes the point that you know payday lending is off the scale in terms of um, interest if you don't pay it back in the short term. And I know that is being capped at 0.8%. Well, the, the government is looking at capping it at, to 0.8%, but even that's 292%. So, yeah, making the awareness of, oh, 1% per day sounds cheap, but actually, whoa, it's expensive. I still recall the first thing that happens happened um, in my day anyway, and possibly still does, when you go to sort your banking out when you started it at university, and the first thing that comes on offer from the banks is that damn credit card. And is <laughs> is there any reason for a kid to have a credit card? You can have a debit card where you can use it for purchases you want to make online, for that kind of flexibility. But from the day you've got that credit card, you spend your life constantly paying it off and catching up before you do any saving. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Catherine, on that one. Uh, The debit card is 
kind of it appears like a credit card, and you know when you're looking at it. Um, but you've pre-saved it. You've, you're yeah, ahead instead yeah. of behind all the time. It's basically a prepaid card. So you've you've got money in the account. You're only spending what you've got and saved, and so there's no risk of overspending, because if you try and overspend, it'll decline. Whereas credit card is, of course, you have to pay it back. Um, so this, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't see any real need need for it. A debit card you can buy online. Um, you can use for probably Ubers, etc. This question of habit as well, because they are at a stage of life where they are going to be borrowing and borrowing hopefully to invest in their lives, their educations, um, their experiences, um, and ultimately to get things they need uh, and to build assets ultimately. But you will be well aware of, again, those kids who still save a portion and people in very low-income households who still have the discipline that's been completely um, pressurised out of control with what's happened to costs like housing costs, still have a discipline of saving a fraction as a habit. Um, yep, is, this, really is this something that you get them fundamentally, and KiwiSave is a great way of saying this, whether your income is large or whether your income is small, there is a power in, in getting in the habit of saving a fraction. Yeah, definitely KiwiSaver is, is, a, is a great thing to have. Um, you know, however, just think, talking to myself here, 3% I'm putting in plus 3% the employer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to ask myself if that is enough. And looking across the ditch at Australia, uh, where the it's 9.5% compulsory, and which is going up to 12% in five years, um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting question to think, KiwiSaver is great. Can we make it better? But um, also, you know, full credit to the 42,000 people that have bought their first home with KiwiSaver. The other principles that you're getting into here and, and the question of borrowing and the idea of good debt versus bad debt, how do you illustrate that with the kids? Yeah, I guess it's um, what's going to benefit you as a person or have a, an increase in value over time. So investing in yourself through tertiary education, you could say is good debt if you get, if you get a student loan. And investing in property or shares that go up in value is good debt. Um, whereas obviously just trying to discourage them from getting high interest debt to fund assets that depreciate. However, um, one thing that's great for teenagers is sharesies. Um, and they've just initially had the unit trusts, and now you can buy shares through them. And it's simple to set up, and I set one up for my daughter. And um, the graphics are great. It's user-friendly. So there's 50,000 New Zealanders there with shares, these accounts, thinking, oh, maybe I should invest in shares. However, you pay for what you get, and it's a... There's no, uh, it's brokerage rather than advice. So it's not as good as a share broker as such. But it's a great way to get started and seeing your money grow. On the spending side, you mentioned assets that depreciate versus those that um, that will accumulate over, over time whenever you can get into them, if you're lucky enough to get into them. But the car is the classic example. So how do you work through again with 
um, worksheets and details the reality of getting that first car and what it's going to cost you. Exactly, yeah. So there's quite a big section on higher purchase and the fact you need to save for a deposit. Um, But then there could be extra costs, um, fees or insurances that are necessary, like income protection insurance, and then the cost of higher purchase over time. Just making them aware of that, um, and it's better to do that now when they're maybe 15 or 16, so then they think, oh, well, I need to save more, so I don't have to borrow as much or I don't have to borrow anything. So otherwise, you know, they might leave school at 17 years old and need a car. Oh, okay, let's go and get a car on high purchase and they're on the back foot without having saved some money for it and to start off with. This is also where we come back, though, to those steps that you work through because step two, I think, is the brainstorming and the information gathering on options. And this is a situation where you might say, do you need that car? Do you actually take them through processes with each of these financial milestones of weighing up, is this worth it, and what are my alternatives? Ah, exactly. So, you know, the decision-making process is important and teachers know it well and we can we can uh, teach our students that um, evaluating the consequences and and looking long term into the future so um, yeah at the end of the day the teachers are great and they can work their magic and do some really good learning um, the banks are contributing to financial capability as well but could do more so across the board we can do more um, for financial literacy and you know l- luckily at St Cuthbert's College where I work uh, we've got we've invested in timetable we've made our timetable so we can we have a slot for year 11 12 and 13 that is not based on assessments but it's developing those soft skills the soft skills being the process you're going through making decisions um, and the weighing up of what your options are and what the financial complica- uh, um, implications are, whether it's um, owning a car or using another method of transport, and will that determine where you where you live? And it, it, starting to go through the evaluation processes that you hope mature adults make, but make them before they've gone and made a whole lot of decisions that have locked them in. There's an interesting one also. The final step is reflecting after the decision's been made on whether it was a good one or not. Now, that's really interesting to look back and say what was the cost of what I did decide to do could you give us some examples of how you do that I guess the student loan one is uh, is a good one where you're you know you're having to pay it back but also things like um, going flatting or deciding to go to an overseas university or a university out of town um, you know probably feels good initially to leave, you know have independence and leave the family but then there are costs and who's going to pay them um, so fortunately I was able to fund my way through university with jobs and allowances but it's um, it's a bit harder these days for when you go out of town and you've got um, student loans to consider what most surprised, we haven't even talked about the good old budget, which of course is the, the, the basis of so much here, but we can presume that that's, that, that, that if you're making compare and contrasts, one of the things you are, um, are learning is the budget and how much you're over and how much you're borrowing if you need to. Um, 
But what surprised you about what they didn't know or weren't aware of when you put them in these real-life decision-making situations? I guess it's all the extra costs that they didn't think about Hmm. or envisage. Um, So if they're going flatting, you know, they're just focusing on the rent. They're not... They're not aware, oh, there could be Wi-Fi charges or there could be water, um, electricity. So it's all all the extra costs that they may not be aware of to start off with. So it's, um, yeah, getting the awareness going. And I guess one good thing we have at our school is we have an outdoor campus. They go down there, they live in a house, uh, at, of, in a house of eight students and they have to budget for their food and the water and electricity is recorded. So they get sort of a pool of resources and they they can decide, oh, should I have should we have long hot showers or dessert? Because the resources are limited. So getting them to realise money doesn't grow on trees that's limited is um is a great exercise across the board. But also how much we just fritter away. And we think about this day of sort of Uber Eats and um, all the dining out that happens. You're almost, I, I think of my parents' generation and I'm still so impacted on the way they budgeted. Well, because um, my parents were, de- were Depression-era kids. Um, I was a very late baby, I hasten to add. But till the day she died, my mother, nothing got wasted. You would go and buy a set of tea towels and the old one would turn up somewhere, repurposed somehow. And I hope no generation goes through again what they went through. But it was simply the power of what you can save when you focus on the little things. And they add up to allowing you to do some big things. Is that yep. part of what you're trying to achieve by putting them in the house and saying, here's power, here's water, here's a food bill? Um, because it Absolutely. is. It, it is really potent. And it's also, John, what enables them to live on a budget if they want to do things that don't require a big income and pursue some of the experiences or, or, or do things for the love of them. Absolutely. And I guess families generally don't talk about money or you know, we haven't got enough for this or we have to make a decision. It's often uh, untalked about. And I know full credit to the uh, Sorted and Schools program who are, you know, uh, giving icebreakers and conversation starters. So students can go back and start having discussions with their family, which is a great way of learning. So um, there are ways of doing that. But to be fair to the younger generation... They're very good at not wasting things and they're very conscious of packaging and buying food and not eating it. So they're very, uh, very good global citizens. Um, so that, you know, they're probably better than my generation in that regard, but still have a lot of learning to do with regard to money. John, thank you. Thanks for coming in. John Dustin is author of Financial Capability, Managing Your Money, a learning workbook which he has designed uh, himself as a teacher at St Cuthbert's College, believing that financial literacy and layers of it, not just the headlines, uh, are a need for school students. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 